everyone and welcome to ThoughtQuest's first episode of Black Lives Matter series. Um, today we'll, we'll be joined with our amazing guests who will be touching on Black Lives Matter movement, um, the unfortunate deaths we've all witnessed here in the UK and America. Cami and I will be bringing you questions on systematic racism and its presence within, within the police force, workplace environments and education and ways in which as a human race we can pr practically break down racism and police brutality. I'd just like to firstly make clear to you guys and for our viewers that um, this conversation is inclusive. So although this episode centers on Black Lives Matter, we are a community podcast that we feel is important to have non-Black people who are in support of this movement involved too. And we want to just say that there's no right or wrong answers that, we've, that will be expressed today. Um, we all know this topic is very complex and there's loads of things to deep. So yeah, just having said that, just want that make clear to everyone so I hope you guys understand. Firstly just I would like you guys to just introduce yourself um, so that obviously each of you guys know who's who that would be great so who wants to start for us? Yeah I can start um, my name's Lucas and I a year ago I just finished a psychology degree at Bath um, and since then I've kind of been trying to transition a bit into filmmaking so I've just kind of been dabbling a bit with more kind of creative stuff um, and yeah I was born, born and raised in London um, half Spanish, half English, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, my name's Natalie, and um, I've just finished uni. I was studying journalism at Roehampton. Alfine here, and I just finished my law degree at the University of Westminster. Um, and kind of, at the moment, looking into how I can maximise my skills and everything that I have learned in and out of university. Um, I'm, I'm Zach. I also just graduated. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't really do much else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Cami? So, yeah, um, I just want to start off with how is everyone, how did everyone feel coming on to this platform to discuss this? I know for myself, I do have like this awareness that there's like almost like a political correctness that needs to go around it and there's also that conversation I'm having myself with myself that this is just a conversation that needs to be had um coming from a space of it being like empty and meaningless and let's resolve something and create something for the future so I know there's a lot of conversations I'm having with myself and so I'm wondering if you guys are going through that too yeah I was just gonna say obviously like yes yeah, it's, it's it is kind of hard with any subject to kind of have a more of a kind of, I don't know, I guess more of like a formal discussion on it just because um, obviously it's important to kind of also feel confident that you know what you're talking about. So I, I was kind of a bit aware that like with a conversation with friends and stuff, I might kind of say things that maybe I haven't maybe done the necessary research behind it. So it's just a bit more kind of, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's a bit harder, I guess, because you have to actually kind of present yourself in, in a way that that you feel is kind of doing the conversation justice in a sense. So it's, but it's good to have these conversations because it, it does promote you to kind of do a bit more looking around and look into things that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. Um, but yeah. I would say if I can add to that as well, um, that I think the fact that it's not spoken about uh, in society as well, in common language as well, we haven't uh, got to go into a point in society where we can talk about sensitive things without a them being politically correct to the point where it's like well almost not even talking about it anymore and so we end up just dabbling around topics like this so i think 
this George Floyd situation kind of like exploited something that was the elephant in the room, which allowed it people who uh, even weren't kind of like in proximity to, to the context of what that means, they can now be kind of exposed to it and then engage with other people to learn more. And I think that's what this will innate. Um, yeah, just to go back to what um, Lucas said, yeah, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. And again, with like political correctness and stuff like that, it's difficult sometimes, um, I think, for everybody to join in on the conversation. Some people might want to have opinions and might want to talk about certain situations, but they, I feel like people are worried at this point now, especially because people keep being called out and stuff and things like that. People are worried that they'll say the wrong things, offend people. But um the truth is the conversation does need to be had regardless of how you do it. So there's no point of tiptoeing around it. But I think you only have to worry about things like political correctness when you like, don't really care. Because if you, if you did really care, you'd, like, people could just be like, yeah, I understand he doesn't get it. We could have this discussion. But like, when you start worrying about like, optics outside of that, then it becomes like, slightly disingenuous. If I, if I could just add actually, Kia, just based on... on the thing how you said kind of it's a very complex issue and it's important to kind of yeah discuss it as such i think with any kind of social issue whether it be black lives matter whether it be feminism whether it be trans rights whatever whatever kind of social justice issue is at the heart of it i think it's just important to remember that these are very very complex issues and yeah there may be some senses in which everyone kind of has common ground but there's always bound to be at least some small things in which people disagree with and i just one thing i'm a bit worried about kind of general in the political and social climate nowadays is that some things tend to be the way I see it a little bit kind of oversimplified such that if you deviate even a little bit here and there it's kind of like it kind of creates a bit of polarization and I think it's very healthy to sit with people that you might disagree with on certain things and be able to talk in a civilized kind of mature way so I I worry that that's slightly lacking a little bit um, kind of across the board nowadays but yeah hopefully we can do just that. Thank you. No, I totally hear that, like to be able to have civil conversation, because obviously not everybody will agree on what's being said. You have a right to agree to disagree. Um, but yeah, so I would like to start off this conversation with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Just want to get a feel of how you guys feel about that, your attitude towards it. Are you guys fully aware, like how it came about, how it was started? So it was founded by three black women in America and they said on the website that it's an organised movement advocating for non-violent civil disobedience in protest against incidents of police brutality against black people. So this movement began in 2013 um, after the acquittal of George, George Zimmerman in the shooting of African-American teen Chavon Martin in February 2012. Having said that, are you guys like clear in terms of what, who they are, what's their approach, what they want to achieve? Because I feel like sometimes there can be a bit confusion around that. I know me and Camille have yeah. had discussions on that. Um, I don't know if anyone's feeling that way. I have no idea like what, who the London BLM people are or like what they <laughs> do. <laughs> like I have no idea who those people are. Um, I, I, I don't even know if they like um, organise the protests, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I, yeah I, I'm in the dark with the UK BLM yeah. group. I don't really know what they do. Yeah, I was, yeah same, same over here. And, and, and even generally, kind of, I've, like, that, that kind of origin of it, I wasn't really particularly aware of, but I've kind of just seen it more as, like, it's almost a bit of, like, an umbrella term in the sense that there's a lot of 
it's almost like a bit of a social media t- a trend in that a lot of people are, are kind of in that sense it's a bit of a strange movement as compared to kind of historic movements in that it's it's, it's kind of it almost lacks a bit less structure than some previous movements in that a lot of people are are citing it and claiming their their acts or whatever they say to be under that umbrella term but as a result I, i'm seeing at least on social media at least on my my page a lot of people that seemingly are saying quite contradictory things both of which are under the umbrella term of black lives matter so for me just because it's a social media kind of phenomenon at least even though that may not be the origin um i'm a bit confused as to what exactly black lives matter stands for like exactly because it, it tends to be a bit more elusive sometimes but. yeah i hear that because i'm just looking at it now like online in terms of uk related mm. I don't feel there's that much information when it comes to UK Black Lives Matter. I think there is a lot more information around US Black Lives Matter, the movement, but when it comes to what measurable results they want, like what we can see, what what can we actually do to be like, yeah, you know, we've achieved this. Mm. There's not that much. Obviously now in the last, what, like four or five weeks, a lot has happened and I think it's amazing. Um, and I think those are the types of things that we should be pushing forward, like that conversation of this is what has been achieved through the protest and not just like we want social justice, because what does that look like? And, and even just, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm just looking at it now. One of the websites of blackmatteruk.com, it just says the Black Lives Matter movement organisation and this website was set up in July 2016, following the racist killing of Alton Sterling, and yeah, our group was founded from an open meeting at Dalston Moss, attended by more than 200 people. We don't claim to speak for anyone but ourselves, concerned activists fighting for justice and social, fighting for racial and social justice in the UK. It's not clear compared to the US one, where like both of them are not clear, but you know what I mean? Like they actually set what their intentions are. But then that's the thing, even the US one that you described, that they said, um, what, that they believed in um, non-violent civil disprotest, was it, or civil dis- disobedience? Was that yeah. it? Yeah, because even watching a, a TED talk that Cami um, shared me, they just said, our intention from the beginning was to connect pe- black people from all over the world to have a shared desire for justice to act together in their communities. The impetus for that commitment was, and still is, the rampant and deliberate violence inflicted on us by the state. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children to the degree that mothers, parents and children are comfortable. We foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing others from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless she, he, or they disclose otherwise. Obviously setting that out is different here in the UK. So it's like, how would you measure that here? That makes sense or yeah. different um, countries? Yeah, I guess, yeah, and, and not, not so much with that last quote you just put up before the, the, um, the three black women that you said founded the American Black Lives Matter, them saying that kind of the precedent was for, uh, for example, nonviolent um, civil disobedience. Mm. So it would seem that that is kind of at the crux of the origin of Black Lives Matter in America, at least. But then a lot of people nowadays that still consider themselves to be at the heart of Black Lives Matter 
would condone, for example, rioting and stuff, and, and that both of them can be seen under kind of Black Lives Matter. So I'm a bit confused as to kind of the constraints and the exact kind of goals and exact rules of the movement um, in some ways. But. Can I also um, say as well, I found it quite strange how the um, quote that you just read out went from mentioning social justice to the LGBT agenda. And I feel like that is kind of not discoloring, but it's it kind of diffuses the focus of the intention of the whole movement because they are both um, oppressed groups in their own rights. And I think to, to merge them together, I think is it does dilute the message to an extent. And I think it creates a divide in the sense that um, I'm going to say as a black person, I know that in the black community, there's a lot of stigma around LGBT. And so I feel like automatically that creates an internal divide. And then what, what that manifests is an external divide in the way that everyone else in the world receives that. And so that's why you see that there's some people who are uh, pro-LGBT and anti in the same way that they are pro-peace and anti-peace in the sense of, you know, they're willing to go out and riot. And I feel like the way that if, if there was kind of sincere and kind of strategized intention behind it, they would make sure that they keep the umbrella and the focus being the social justice of oppression against a white supremacist. So acknowledging all the other oppressions that fall under that. So like, for example, when we look at Iraq and we look at Yemen, those things do not exclude the same oppressive hand that creates the need for Black Lives Matter movements. Does that make sense? Mm. And so I think if we focus on what the cause is supposed to be, um, everything else should fall into context. I think it's very interesting what you're saying. Um, and so the question kind of goes to, is this more of a question of, of, of race then or, or something else? Like a class problem? I don't know. Because we, we have like this, this um, we say white privilege, right? And not, not every white person is going to experience white privilege. Obviously, it's like they might experience more or less. You know, there's like a spectrum to it, right? But it's, it's curious it's a curious thing to, to look at from a, a, the perspective of someone who's, uh, like, I'm not white, but I'm not exactly, like, dark either. Like, I'm quite pretty on, on the lighter spectrum, right? And I wouldn't say I've experienced white privilege, but I do recognise that, for example, I might not be, I, I might not feel that much prejudice against me. Like, I personally haven't. So it's not something that I can resonate with in the same way that say some black people experience right and and I question like you said if the conversation has gone from there's this upper hand that certain white people have especially the upper class man um, that you can definitely see here in the UK and definitely in, in the US but, but then is that like a separate conversation or is or does it all kind of come under one? I think it all com um, comes under one because like the, the, um, the, the issue is I don't think it's really like individual like prejudices or like individual privileges. It's like it's just like, like the way that everybody's talking now is to abolish the whole system, like the whole capitalist system, because that's what allows like the same way that race is like a constituent of like cap of capitalism. Is, this, is the same reason that, I don't know, 
LGBT people are like discriminated against. Like the, the whole thing is like to get rid of the whole system. It's not really to do with making it. If I may, how are you how are you defining the system? What do you mean specifically when you refer to the, a system? The, the, the capitalist labor production system. Like the the, the whole um, sort of. It's not really about getting more opportunities for for um, underprivileged people or like or like. For example, using the, the using the example of like um, like Obama, for example, using like using the example of like his presidency, that like that clearly did didn't do much to um, change anything because Black Lives Matter started under him, and that's because it doesn't really matter about how many opportunities you give to to say black people. It's about making it so that. A capitalist framework is no longer the the the, the framework of, of, from which we live because, like regardless of of how many black millionaires or billionaires or whatever you have, if we still live under a capitalist framework, there's always going to be a, an underclass who needs to be subjugated for like people to still be rich, if that makes yeah. sense. And 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 that's why we it needs to be like intersectional rebellion of sorts like it has to be like black people gay people women like whoever like to just get rid of that framework so are you anti-capitalism or yeah because it's like you can't there's like no good there's no good capitalism because it's like capitalism's like born from like race like like if you think about slavery for example um, that's like so, so. Obviously, there was like slavery before before the transat- transatlantic slave trade. Um, but ca- like, if you think about the the the, um, the growth of like globalization and like global trade and global capitalism, it starts from race based slavery. Like it starts from the African African people being transported to America, and sort of like global sort of uh, trading starts from that. So. From there, there is no other way, or, or, or like, there is no like good capitalism because it's all like born or like born out of of, of, of racism, basically. I was gonna also add um, that that's like one hundred percent right. Capitalism and slavery uh, kind of go hand in hand because that's what created the boom. Like, for example, the Industrial Revolution. It wasn't actually because we had you know a few extra machines. It was actually from the investment that had been put into slavery and cotton fields um, and kind of these sweatshop kind of slave type environments um, that bred slave, um, that bred capitalism. And so capitalism is a system that requires someone to be below someone else in order for there to be a profit kind of gaining system. Um, And I want to harken back to uh, Zach saying how we have to get rid of the whole thing. We have to literally just scrap the whole thing because it's like saying, say what's going on in Yemen now and someone comes out of Yemen and they end up doing well in the West, uh, that doesn't mean that there's no longer a problem in Yemen because people are able to come here and do well. So in the same way, we can't say that, you know, examples of black excellence where people have gone through pure, you know, hardship and still excel means that A, there's no racism or that, you know, the system is a system which in which you know black people can still propel because no we know that in history that black people have been used as tokens in order to meet this diversity quota which is another thing that i have an issue with um and so i think you know kind of starting from scratch will allow us to take away from the things that um 
capitalism is rooted in. So, so if I may, what, what do you, what's your alternative? What, when you say start from scratch, what do you think would be the, the better approach? Uh, an example is socialism, but I know it gets a lot of kind of like flack for not working, but I've also read a lot of, you know, people like, um, is it Connor West? who speaks about, you know, stuff like socialism being possible if done in the right way and with the right intentions. You can't do capitalism, I'm sorry, you can't do socialism with the cap- capitalism mentality. And I think that's what happens. Right. But w- what you just said about socialism being possible if done properly, I would say the same thing about capitalism. I, I agree. I agree that capitalism is flawed. I agree that it is a system that it does um, encourage at least people's greedy instincts to come out and it does allow for things and, and say what you will about it being it may have been born out of, out of slavery, which I, I, I don't know enough about history to, to, to say that that isn't the case. But I, I suspect that it's not just specifically born out of purely slavery. I suspect there's more to it than that, but I don't really know enough about history to say that. But the point is that just because it was born in some kind of immoral territory doesn't necessarily mean that we can't adapt it and we can't change it to be more fair. So equality of opportunity, I think, is something that we could definitely get to as a society and not equality of outcome, because I think that is, is, is completely not right to kind of force an end outcome as you want it. But I think equality of opportunity is something that has been getting better progressively over the past century and it's something that can continue to get much better and i'm not saying there's not an issue obviously there's there is still a big issue in that a lot of people with power are very greedy and they do uh, take steps to maintain them being powerful and subjugating people who don't have as much opportunity but i think with with movement and, and discussion i think it is possible to to adapt to make something better there's no need to completely start afresh because then you lose a lot of the good things that have come out of capitalism and, and say what you will but there are a lot of good things about capitalism. One of them is the idea of a meritocracy and the idea that one is free to, to climb um, through social mobility. And, and you might say that's not as available to, to certain people of color, but we could get to a point where your outcome in life is dependent on how hard you work or, or where you apply yourself. We could get to that point for everyone, whereas something like socialism or even communism, it feels very kind of enforced and it feels like a kind of really artificial manipulation of variables that, that in my opinion takes away people's real freedom but I, 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 I disagree with, like the meritocracy thing 100% in the UK in particular because like the UK is basically a feudal system like there, 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 there's, there's no like you, you can't win regardless of what you do like the UK is just it, it's like a huge class thing like there will never ever ever they, they, they can't even be a meritocracy when like there's a whole group like a whole family who are just like born into privilege like as soon as you have a monarchy like a hereditary monarchy you can't have a fair society so like, the UK is, is you say that but I, I know tons of people white and black that, that were born into low-class families working-class families that through education and the right mindset have have gone on to, to do really well and get great jobs. I've got. I, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's not that uncommon either. Yeah, I'm not saying it's that. I'm not saying it's uncom- uncommon either. I like we all went to university also. That's like a form of social mobility. But even that is like a sort of white supremacist framework because it, it, it presupposes the idea that all you need is hard. Work. I'm not saying that you're like a white supremacist. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just like say, as an example, like because it's not just because of hard work or like a good attitude that gets anyone anywhere. Like it's, that's just a, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's not just that. I I agree. There are, there are, I agree. There's a huge amount of, of wealth inequality and I agree that there's a huge difference between those 
who are born into lucky into lucky families that happen to have a lot of money and those that are born into poverty. I agree there's a huge disparity there that needs to be addressed. I'm absolutely on board there. But I don't think it's it's unsolvable. I don't think it's so unsolvable that we completely start afresh with a whole new system, is, is what I'm saying, basically. In regards to where you studied, you know, as, as, as well as what I look like being used as a measurement stick, you know, my kind of intellectual capacity. And I think all those things stack against each, like on top of each other to create the things that we're trying to kind of dismantle right now. And I think that's what Zach is trying to hearken to. Yeah, I, I do hear that. And when, when you say that there may be these prejudices and, and whether it's kind of a case of outright explicit raising or if it's more kind of implicit bias, I'm, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. That it seems perfectly plausible that is that is at least happening to some extent. My worry is that some people are instinctually um, seeing it as being completely rampant, whereas I don't think it's happening as often as some people maybe assume. And my, my point is, if, if you are assuming, for example, that, I mean, I, I, I'm a bit more familiar with like some of the research in America, but for example, um, the fact that in, in, in America, a lot of black people won't get into as high-end positions, there is, an, a, there is a jump of an assumption that you have to make to say that the pure reason for that is prejudice and racism. There may be other factors that, that aren't talked about as much. And, and I, I can see why it might be tempting to suspect that it's purely down to prejudice. But, but I think that is a bit of an assumption that, that we shouldn't necessarily be making too quickly. But although, Sorry, although I agree there's some of that, I agree there's some prejudice for sure. Sorry to like um, hog the spotlight, but I wanted to quickly jump back to that and say that um, I forgot, I think Tim Wise is his name. And he's a gentleman in America who, you know, uses um, his kind of position to go out and talk against racism. And I think what he says is what I'm about to say to you. And that's that your ability to say what you just said right now is in itself white privilege because you are able to live your life without your skin color being, you know, the first thing that has to be in consideration when you're going with stuff like um, job roles and stuff. But us as black people, it's a, a common reality. And so it's easier for you to not see it as a co commonality because A, it's not within your lived experience and B, uh, I don't assume people within your immediate circle, you know, i.e., um, you know, your close family and then maybe some of your friends are, you know, do experience it either. And so I think there's a limit to which you can understand it simply because you, you haven't lived it. I, as a person who was born in Burundi, have been in a, you know, a civil outbreak, like a civil war. So when I come here and say we spoke about you know, civil war and stuff happening in Yemen, I have a completely different perspective to what someone that was born here and hasn't seen war would have. And I think there's an appreciation that we have to have for each other when we are discussing these things and the limits to our understanding. Of course, yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely respect that and I, I do understand that I, I, won't, I won't understand this issue from a personal uh, standpoint, no one, no one near as well as you or any other person of colour. I think that there is a danger with assuming prejudice or intent without hard proof. Like, for example, if, if, you, go, if you go to a job interview, you, you said something along the lines of you're seeing your race as like the, the predominant kind of factor or how was it that you phrased it exactly? Sorry. Oh, was it kind of prime consideration, yeah. Right, yeah, the prime, so say you go to a job and you feel like the prime consideration is, is your skin colour. If, if I may, like, what evidence or what proof do you have that that is how the person trying to employ you is seeing it as well? Sure, no worries. For me, I'm speaking especially in my kind of lived experience, which is trying to get into law. So, you know, when I've gone into interviews, law, internships and all these sort of things, um, the first thing is the fact that you are most likely the, you know, the, the, the one or the second black person in that atmosphere. And so um, 
you, it's kind of an outnumbering situation. And second, I want to say it's the same way, for example, feminism. I think um, the ladies in the chat right now, they understand feminism and the, the experience of a woman in this world and in Western society in a way that I can never understand, even when I see it with my own eyes, you know, for example, when we see overt racism. But, you know, there's a there's an underlying like lived experience that I can't fully comprehend. And the only way that I can fully understand it, which is why you point out what you pointed out, is if I say, okay, what are the numbers? And then you see that there is, you know, pay gaps between genders in workplaces and stuff like that. And I think numbers is what allows us to see, you know, the fact that there's disproportion there means there's some disproportion elsewhere because there should be representation in when I go to job um, offers or when I watch TV and stuff like that. Yeah, so, and yeah. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said, I'm glad you point to the numbers because again, this kind of harkens back to my point about assumptions that even with the gender pay gap, for example, there is a disproportionate data there. Absolutely, it's clear. But the reason as to why that disproportion is there isn't really understood. And people assume that because on average women are paid less, the answer must be sexism. And all I'm saying is it may be partly sexism, but there may also be other factors at play. So I, I, I worry that sexism, racism, all of it together, it, it does exist in some extent, absolutely. But I worry that some people are kind of saying that it exists, it completely explains things when I think that maybe it only partly explains things. It's just my point. But, but I do, I do I sympathize with, with what you say about kind of being the only one, the only black person going for a role. And, and I understand that that obviously um, can be a bit disheartening and, and whatnot, but yeah. I totally, I totally get, um, hear, hear you on that. It's like whether we want to admit it or not admit it, co like color is the first thing you see. And purely based on the fact that even even in my community in latin community racism is is so embedded in even in our language that like we have even sayings like good hair bad hair and it's and it's purely based on skin color and physical traits so even things like you know people saying like i don't see color can be problematic and and so it goes back to like i get what you're saying when you go into an interview, you, you kind of have it at the, the forefront that this, the color of, of, of your skin can be the first thing that someone kind of thinks about. Because it's, it's obvious, it's like what you see, right? Again, I think it's risky to start seeing everything through the prism because then if, if you get to the point where you kind of, everything you see about the world, you're seeing it through the prism of, I'm a black man and everyone sees me in every capacity as black or Asian, or whatever, it, it can be tempting to then, develop this worldview that then you do might might have a bit of a confirmational bias and everything that you see you might interpret as racism for example walking down the street someone might give you a funny look and you might immediately jump to the conclusion they've given me a funny look because i'm black it might just be that you're wearing a weird shirt or that i don't know that you look like someone they know like there's a lot of explanation for things and i worry that seeing things too much through the prism of race might encourage certain jumping to conclusions like that but I agree, there's, a, there's an appropriate limit to see things as race. But. Can I quickly say, um, I'm really glad that you touched on psychology and kind of like, you know, confirmation bias and stuff, because I want to kind of like just create a context for everyone to, to use when we're talking about everything we're talking about now. And that's that you have to remember that at some point in history, i.e. the 1600s, the British Empire decided that they're going to create a status quo and the status quo was going to be white. And 
God became white with blonde hair and blue eyes, so was Jesus. So was everything about goodness, so was everything about purity. So was everything to do with our people's cultures and idea of marriage and love. It was walked behind the idea of, of, of whiteness and having a white dress. Even um, when it comes to the afterlife and death, it's about seeing white light and stuff like that. And these things might seem um, kind of unimportant, but these were strategically and purposefully used in order to create a stereotype that allowed for white supremacy when it was completely overt. So we can sit here and talk about it being underlying and when you go to, to work, but you have to understand that we live in a system that was created on a structure that's meant to support um, the idea that white is right and anything brown or discolored is, is, is bad, is evil. Racist view that's kind of propagated within the home. So it will come from stuff like the TV and the media, like the, the fact that every time you see Africa, people are dying and starving. And it's like, yeah, that is, that is what's happening. But if you're gonna show it, tell us why it's happening. And then it's gonna go back to the British empire, isn't it? And stuff like that. And so when people are showing stuff, you know, specific views of black people, and then they propagate specific views within the household, that's what creates that, that racist in, individual. And so what Black Lives Matter is trying to fight is the, the powers that be should be put in kind of using their powers to prevent certain portrayal of black people in the media, because that's what kind of educates the culture of the society that we live in. Yeah, so I, I think that definitely should be done. But at the same time, it doesn't need to be one or the other. I think at the same time that that should be done, Both. also there should be emphasis on personal responsibility. And even though, even though you may have learned things from the past in a way that you weren't in control over, you are in control of keeping those lessons embodied in your behavior. So I think there should also be emphasis on people understanding themselves well enough to call out their own conditioning, whatever. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I agree. I think all like all types of like representation and trying to get like more black people into like to do certain things is like is regressive. Like it, it it's a, it doesn't help. Like we need to like drop all of like let's get more black people into Oxbridge and shit. Like it does it like it, it, it's, it's, it's antithetical to like the, the, the goals because you go into the, like, even if like, for example, I have, um, at uni, I had a lot of friends who went to Brampton Manor and they used to say like, yeah, like they used to want us to go to, to Oxbridge or whatever. And the, 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 the issue is it's like not having black students who are smart enough to go to Oxbridge. It's like when they get there, they're like, a lot of them really struggle because it's not really just a an education thing it's a culture thing also so you go you'll go there and like not really know how to like move around the certain like groups or whatever and then you don't know how to deal with the racism and stuff so like we're sending our kids into like these really hostile environments and it's like the same it's like we don't really want to we don't really want to be employed by we don't really want more black people on like the bbc or whatever like we like that's not really a goal that's just like a symbolic thing like it, it, there needs to be like substantial change in this do you think part of that Oxbridge example do you think part of that could be due to class because for example I, yeah no I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge thing like I it's it's not really it, yeah well gone sorry sorry yeah because I, I, I don't know if that's what you were implying but um kind of I I also would feel like a bit of a fish out of water in in somewhere like Oxbridge and I, I wouldn't really feel as naturally um kind of in those circles and having have being able to kind of move around those circles. I, I also would feel a bit out of place. So I, I wonder if it's maybe partly race, but also largely about class as well. 
and yeah, and the class system like goes back to like the, <laughs> not to keep on hogging on hogging on like Marx or something, but like it goes back to the capitalist <laughs> structure of, of and, and what they what and what they and one of the worst 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 things about this like sort of like representation thing is like it's like Oxbridge will usually like flaunt their black students out or Asian students out or whatever um, as like a sort of diversity thing like when you actually go there it's like hugely hostile like it's not a welcoming um uh, environment it's like we need to like stop this sort of we just need to have more representation or like or like be black ex like the black excellence thing is like the worst thing in the world to me like i hate it like it's so dumb to me i don't understand why like I, j just let people be like it, we, we're not really and that's just really just the white supremacist like framework also it's like what is black excellence is like having a certain job or like talking a certain way or like going to certain things and most of the time those things are like eurocentric anyways because you're you like internalized all of the the stuff that that um that you've learned but also it, it, it yeah you, you you're you're a psychologist right so well, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm <gonna do> <laughs> i think <laughs> if if we um talking like the psychology of race or whatever or like the construction of race if we just think about what like black and white it like it really doesn't matter about like individual like trying to change the way you think because if we think about like the construction of what black means like there's a lot of work being done about this right now just one, one guy has a, a has a phrase that, like africans went onto the slave ships and became became black so like the slave relation is like always going to be related to black because that's like how the creation of like the race of black and white was so this like regardless of like what anybody tries to do to like change the way they think in the framework of which we live which is built on the 400 or whatever years of of the transatlantic slave trade black is always going to be associated with subjugation like that is just how like the the formation of, of race is it's like regardless of what we do unless we change how we live yeah. that's always what, what it will be yeah, I, I see your point and, and to be fair i think i think we agree about a lot of things i think we're just kind of coming at it almost from two like philosophical <laughs> viewpoints in that we both agree that change kind of needs to happen and i'm personally think that the way to change is for all the individuals to change and then gum up and, and change things from the top after that whereas you maybe seem to be more that change should happen from a top-down kind of way oh no no no, no. I, I agree with you like it has to start with like the people but I, I don't think the goal needs to be like to um make us all like equally wealthy in like the same way that we live now i think that we just have to like change <laughs> I, I agree and like what you said about kind of kind of um kind of just like quotas and getting black people in as, as tokens i agree that that's completely that's completely wrong and i'm yeah that, that, that shouldn't happen that is that is that seems very shallow and it seems like people just trying to kind of seem like they're doing the right thing without actually doing it and i, I would say the way to i'd say the ideal thing would be if everyone had equal opportunity and then could just do whatever the hell they want and you don't kind of measure like right we need this number of people doing that and you just kind of be free and i obviously there's not equal opportunity now so that that is something to strive towards but um but yeah i, I agree with you want to do you want to add something? Because I know you've been. <laughs> I've really just been listening. Everyone has really like great ideas and ideologies about the different kind of um, ways that Black Lives Matter has kind of come about and how we're living in society right now. I understand what um, 
exactly what you were just saying about um, black excellency can sometimes be annoying because it's like um, other races don't have that kind of thing where something great happens to somebody like for example I don't know, getting a first at university or getting this great job or becoming something and then they're like oh um, I don't know Asian excellency white excellency or all these kind of stuff it's just because of that individual that they looked at and they're like okay this person did a great sort of thing and it kind of brings back the fact that um, that normal black people can't just be normal. You have to be excellent or you have to be great to be seen in society as somebody that is someone who is worthy or worth it. So in term, in those kind of terms, those things do need to be scrapped. But again, yes, it does have a lot to do with, um, I think it has a lot to do with classism as well, because uh, coming back to that kind of Oxford thing and when people are looked at um, differently, when they're taken into those kind of universities and things like that, I don't know. I don't know how the system will change. So that's another kind of topic to bring into. I don't know if, not to say if things will get better as a whole, but it will just take a lot of time and it's a lot of reasoning, like how, how will it happen? Because it's, um, it's easy to say, we can all see the, the problems that are there, but um, they've been the problems that have been continuing for so many years. How is, what is going to be done to change that? And even um, we can see in our like government and things like that now, where some people have the idea that if you bring people of colour into um, the higher societies and government and politics and all that kind of thing, they will bring their own ideologies and their ways of power to change how the system is put together. But um, it doesn't always work like that. We can see that now there are quite a few, definitely it's not as much as the white people in government and in politics but there are quite a few people of color that are there right now and um there hasn't been much change even with people like diane abbott it's more so just been a lot of backlash towards her then there's other people where there's like pretty patel where people will argue that she's not really fighting for people of color at all but um then it's also down to the individual not everybody wants to fight for their race some people just want to be forward for themselves they don't always want to be carrying the whole thing of yes just because I am um a person of color or just because I am black doesn't mean that I have to fight for my whole race I just want to be me which again comes back to that black excellency like sometimes you just want to be yourself and excel you don't want to have to carry all the kind of stigmas around you so can I add some can I like ask you um like following from that um have you ever had kind of do you feel like you've ever had people shocked about something about you or um, about your kind of performance or, you know, that's, that's impressive, that they could have been shocked because of your race? Or do you feel like you haven't had that before? Um, I feel like I've definitely had that before. People would not see it as racism themselves when they come across and say those kind of stuff to you. Like those off-word kind of comments where it's They just, think it's a compliment. Uh, yeah, they make it look as though it's a compliment, but it's definitely, definitely to do with race. And you, you know it, they know it, but they wouldn't definitely say that that's the kind of thing that it is. I've had those kind of things, definitely. Again, it's, it just comes back to, I don't know who was saying it before, but it all comes back to like home. These things, how will they change? They, it, we can sit here and like talk about it and discuss it and think of how they were constructed and all those kind of stuff. But it comes, I personally think that everything comes down to... Um, how we live as communities and societies in our homes and how we discuss these things from when people are young. Like um, people can, 
at this age and at older age and everything like that like um because you were saying before that people need to um know themselves and it's not just about like systematic racism is about the individual that is very true it's about how the individual wants to come across and how the individual thinks about race but at the end of the day um it's going to be hard for an individual who is racist or who does have racial prejudices or ideologies to change if they have lived their whole life um as that kind of person it starts from home which is why the younger generation or the generation that we're bringing up right now we need to start instilling that kind of stuff in them so then we don't have the same problems in the next continuous amount of years because um i think that's the only way that change can come about it's like how how are we going to do that how do you make sure everyone is uh every home is bringing up children that don't have that kind of ideology i don't i don't know i saw a quote that once actually said um i think a black woman posted it on twitter and she was like what are you going to do like what are you as a white person going to do to make sure that your child doesn't end up killing my child which is their kind of reality in america right now and um that's not just with the deaths and stuff that's just i think everybody needs to have those conversations it's just not just a white and black conversation camilla you were saying that um you have that kind of um racial prejudices as well in the latin community too so it's it's not just a white and black issue this is something now that everybody needs to be talking about which is why it's important but how are we going to come about with change yeah just so I can't go ahead off on oh sorry yeah i was going to kind of like round out to why i kind of asked you that question of if you've been you've had that situation and that's because i think that's why as a black person it ends up being an ob- either obligation or duty however you want to see it for you to represent your race like i feel like i don't i don't have a choice anymore like when it comes to it um like when i walk if i walk into a law firm i think everyone else realizes it more than i do so me choosing to ignore it won't change the fact that i'm going to i might be treated differently or seen differently or you know approached differently because of it so um yeah so i feel like i kind of get the benefit of the black excellency thing uh, but I feel like majority of it is detrimental to like on an individual scale. But yeah, go on, Lucas. Sorry. Yeah, no, just touching on what Natalie was saying um, about kind of how what is the best way to change. I think that's that's such an important question, and it's so important we do think about that because whether you think that we're all going to disagree about how much change should happen. For example, whether we, whether you think that what the problem is capitalism and there should be a new a new system in place. Whether you think that that the system can work, but just certain changes in whatever area whatever happens like i think the conversation is just so utterly important and for example with with race right let's say that let's say that i have um i say some things right i believe some things which many people see to be ignorant for example the way to change my mind in that situation i'm not saying anyone here's done that but on, on social media i'm seeing a lot of it the way to change my mind if i'm ignorant is not to kind of call me a racist or tell me i'm ignorant and, and go get educated in like a condescending way the way is to kind of sit down and have a, a conversation with me and explain to me why what I'm saying is ignorant and, and convince me stuff like that so I worry that there's a, a I worry that some people are trying to create change by just kind of making very kind of blunt orders and demands and accusations without sitting down and actually working in like a, almost like a cooperative fashion and I'm not saying kind of sit and hold hands with, with people that are being super racist to you but like it, it does take a certain level of of actually trying to convince someone and change someone's mind 
um, through understanding as opposed to kind of just telling them you're ignorant, do this, do that. And again, no one's doing that here, but on social media, I'm seeing a lot of that kind of, if you think this, don't even talk to me. If you think that, and it's just like, you're not going to change anyone's mind like that. You're not going to get through to anyone by being condescending or patronizing or even aggressive. And I just, I worry that across the board, and it's, it's both people and, and far right people speak the exact same way to far left people. And, and in the case of feminism and trans rights and everything, I feel like, and I feel like social media is such a big part of this. It's, it's very kind of us versus them. And I believe this and you believe that and I'm right, you're wrong, as opposed to we're coming at it from different angles. There might be some common truth. Let's work together to try and figure out what, what the hell's going on. Like that. So I think that understanding is what needs to be present in, in how we go about the change that, that we all recognize needs to happen to some degree. Can I ask, based on your previous like statement about accountability and individual responsibility, um, do you feel like the way that it applies to you know black people getting roles and stuff like that would it not apply similarly to people educating themselves about racism um, and about the discrimination so that you know when they are seeing this post they they you know don't automatically um, respond negatively to it because for me if I've, I did see those posts and some of them are really dumb but. You know, I saw one that said something to do with, you know, if you don't think that X, Y, Z is racist, um, then I don't even want to have the discussion with you. Then I feel like an extent of that is for people to educate themselves because I can't be angry about you not telling me something that you don't like when I don't know anything about it because I have to understand my view of it and come to you at it with a context of my own. Do you see what I'm saying? I think, so I think there's a lot of social responsibility on white people as well to kind of educate themselves or you know even black people that are ignorant to to racism and discrimination to educate themselves about it because yeah. there's also internalized hate absolutely yeah and i think it should be everyone's regardless of whatever socialist you're talking about it should always be everyone's duty to to educate themselves on important things and, and i agree that obviously yeah because the schools seem to have failed in, in educating people about this well enough i agree that's something that each of us uh, white or any other race should should make an effort to learn about it more i agree the issue I'm, I'm was more kind of pointing to was the the tone that a lot of people I'm seeing are, are are saying that in. Obviously, you there, you've said it in a very reasonable way, so I would hear that, and I wouldn't I wouldn't get kind of triggered. I wouldn't get into kind of like defense mode. Whereas yeah. a lot of people, the way they say it, and sometimes it's very subtle. It's very small little kind mm -hmm. of like backhanded things. It's done in a way that even just from a psychological perspective, I could see why a lot of people would read that and get, the blood would start to boil, and they'd be like, "The fuck are you to tell me that?" Kind of it just it creates a bit of like a kind of like a hostility to it so i think it you need to be really careful about how how things are said basically Definitely. i just want to move shiftly uh back to movement itself because i just watching the time um i just want to bring this question to you guys do you feel this movement is only for black people although we might disagree about how exactly it should be solved i agree initially that that definitely involves everyone and, and will benefit or or be a detriment to everyone Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely not just for black people. And like, um, Angela Davis was on like something the other day talking about this, like how she had to battle with this in like nineteen seventies about like the sort of like black nationalist um, shit, which is like super reductive. Um, it, yeah, it's like it has to be like an intersectional, internationalist movement because when you start talking about like this is a black thing, or this is like a, a or a Palestine thing or whatever, like that's just the same as like. The, the, the anti-black racism that you're trying to fight, basically. So, like, it has to be, like, an um, intersectional thing. I've noticed on, like, socials, again, with, like, memes and people's um, stories um, where they said, like, oh, 
you know, there's certain people who, who have not spoken about this. And I think they automatically think, oh, because they haven't spoken. It's not like they don't feel like this, you know, the Black Power movement is not important. Um, some people, you know, they have this kind of saying, like, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable, which is very true. It's not supposed to make you feel like, you know, it's supposed to feel that kind of tension, that kind of uncomfortability. But I feel like at times, you know, when someone's not speaking, we haven't seen like, you know, like say a good friend of yours who is not, is not black and hasn't spoken about it or come to you. Like I've had discussions with my white friends and they've come forward and just like said, oh, like firstly, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And then just like, oh, like this is how I feel. Like I'm totally with you. I support this movement. Um, I've donated, I've done this. And it's just like the conversation. But at the same time, there's some others who, I guess they see their friends who haven't spoken about it and then just like, oh, okay, I'm not going to talk to you, but we're not friends anymore because, you know, you might be secretly racist, you know, all of that stuff. I, I can't speak for anybody else, but like, I know that I wouldn't have, like, if, if it took like this to happen for me to find out that you were racist, I'd like take a look at myself maybe. Because like, I, don't, I don't think I'd ever like have a friend who was like, or who, I, I, I don't think I have any friends who I've like not spoken about this, mm. about this uh, stuff like this with outside of this context. Um, if you do, then I think that's a you issue probably. Yeah. Not you, like the said person. Can I, I, I don't know what your, what your plan is for, for the conversation, so feel free to override it, but um, could we, if, if possible, go on to the actual kind of uh, issue of, of police killings in America and, and look at some of the, some of the research such with that because there's, there's some stuff that um, I'd like to talk about, which is is probably quite contentious, and it is is something that that I could see the, the the impulse to maybe see that me even saying this is kind of white supremacist style rhetoric and stuff. But I, I feel like, and again, if if I'm being very ignorant in saying these things, like I, I urge you to convince me that that I am and why I am. But there are some things there that I, I feel aren't as much a part of the Black Lives Matter narrative as they should be. Um, but if, if, if there's something else you want to talk about first, go for it. Like, like, just say, like, what, what is it? Yeah, so just kind of issues in, so for example, with the data, like, so in America, I don't know so much about UK, but in America, so it's, what, 13% um, of, the, of the population are black and they're being killed roughly kind of 25% of the police killings. Would you say that that disparity, that jump from 13 to 25, would you say that it's clear that that is completely due to racism? Or is it possible that there are certain issues, kind of even culturally, such as the prevalence of, of fatherless homes in black communities that contribute to crime and therefore... And I, and I see the smile, so I, I know that it's triggering to say that, and I know that the impulse must be to kind of see me as some outrageous... No, 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 no. <laughs> you're making great, like, this is, a, a, it's great that you say this, but um, I think if we, like, if, if we, like, keep going back like if we work through the steps of why certain things could have happened we're going to get back to the same like there is no there is no like left route out of this it's a direct line really it's like so if why aren't why why are there fatherless homes supposedly fatherless homes um in predominantly black areas like what why are there it, it, I, I, I suspect there's a combination of reasons i, I suspect it is in part previous decades of racist policy and stuff like that. But I also suspect it is in part um, an individual problem that, that of, of family structure breaking down. So no, I, it's no, just no, that, that's like a huge, that's, like that's almost like eugenicist type of like discussion. Not that you're saying, yeah. I'm saying that you're a racist, but like that, that is like, 
this is where like um, it becomes funny because the, what the the, the the I'll just use like broad terms. The power structure will like do to sort of like negate or like um, make clear racism seem dubious or make you check uh, um, or make you like think again about like why things are bad is like try and give you these logical <laughs> um, discussion points about like black on black crime and like Akala's just like give it like uh, spoken about this and like why that's like a ridiculous thing to say because like if black people are only living amongst black people obviously you will have black crime I, 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 it's not like but, but to the extent that it is happening to the extent that and if, if I may blacks in America are six times more likely to get murdered than whites and 95% of those murders are by other African Americans and, yeah, and, that's, and I know what you're saying but like it's very disproportionate and, and it's to the point yeah, where no, 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 but it's, dispropor it's disproportionate because if you think about the, 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 the racist um, po policies which have put one made ghettos for lack of a better word, and the the, uh, the lack of resources that well, yeah, so if all black people are living in 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 a small area together, obviously they're gonna have crime because there's crime everywhere. But the, why is there so much crime in these areas? Because of the racist policies, which has made people desperate and have to do certain things. Yeah, sure, and and obviously for the record, I'm absolutely not implying that black people are inherently more likely to to commit crime or anything. Obviously, that would be completely completely absurd and and completely racist. I'm saying. There are reasons for it, sure, and, and a lot of them may be due to previous racist policy and the fact that... It's not even previous racist policy, it's like current. Current. <laughs> Could I ask Lucas to read out his statistic again, please? So, it's blacks are six times more likely to get murdered in the US than whites, um, and 90%, 95% of these murders are committed by other blacks in America. Yeah, um, I wanted to kind of like basically see what um, Zach's saying, and that's the sense that I feel like a lot of the times these statistics don't account for things like um, demographic, like Akala said, they don't account for even stuff like psychology, which we've like brought up even in this discussion. And I think um, a lot of the time, black on black crime is, is, is more or less just a rhetoric. Because even when you say it, you can hear it's got a better ring to it than white on white crime. And if you ask yourself why, then you kind of look back into the, the journalistic um, kind of narrative of it and you see how it's been propagated to create this notion of a black thug. So I think um, even, for example, another statistic that I was shown that um, it's American statistic that, what was it? Um, yeah, black people don't make up um, a huge percentage of the population um, in America. So how can they be, you know, most of the, like, how are they not most of the killings or something like that? So essentially saying, because there's not that many of them, that's why the deaths look like a lot of deaths um, or something like that. And I feel like those kind of things disconsider the fact that a lot of the times, yeah, there will be confrontations with police and they might not completely end up in, in, in a death, but it, it might end up in an arrest. And even that arrest is, is unjust and is in itself uh, a product of kind of that racism. But yeah. Sure. sure. And, and yeah, again, I, I hear your point that, that those statistics or if there are disproportionate um, killings in the black community, that that may be the result of, of racist policy. Um, but I, I worry that completely attributing it to that is a problem and takes away individual agency. And when you create this narrative that all of the bad things happening 
in the black community are because of oppression, it does take away a lot of responsibility in the black community and it makes people feel like they're kind of just complete victims in society and people are responsible. If you go out and you, and you kill someone in a gang shooting, sure, there may be factors out of your control that contributed to you being there, but the, ulti the ultimate responsibility is in your hands. And if you um, go and don't stick with your family and your children and, and you, you're not present for your family, sure, there may be reasons leading to that, but it is your responsibility. And I feel like com putting complete onus on the system, I feel like it's damaging. It, it I, may be part of it. I don't think anybody is putting all the onus. Like, I think that's an academic tendency. Like, if, if, if like, I, I'm talking like um, in this way because we're having like a theoretical discussion, but no one like on the ground is saying, I, um, I'm in a gang because the government hates me. Like, no one is saying that. Like, we, we, this is like th that's only an academic discussion of like we're trying to get to the root cause. Like, in, if you like speak to people in like the real world, they, they will like. Th th that's how like the whole like black excellent narrative na narrative starts. It's because like in if we're talking like in communities, like it, it's all like everybody is holds everybody personally accountable to like make themselves better. No one is like you won't meet a, a person. You, you not really completely. Person. I'm not holding them. I'm not holding them completely personally accountable. I'm just saying at least to some to some degree. Um, yeah, okay. no, what I'm saying is like no one. Is saying that it's like a, a, a government or like a society. Not, that, that, that's just like a talking point. That I, I don't know. Even, I don't even really know where that talking point comes from because no one, I, like you, never ever ever meet anybody in a gang saying I'm in a gang because the gut. Like no, they're saying like I want to. I would want to make money because this is the the way that I want to make. Like they're not even thinking that broadly. You know, th th this is just a stereotype of what I'm saying. But but. Yeah, I, I, I disagree with that. that. That's not how this ever works. No, I think, I think what Zach's saying is that um, when you are talking about individual accountability, that is right. But like you said before, we should use numbers to gain perspective. So the numbers that you read out gave us perspective that there is some kind of disproportionality. And then when we look into the reasons why there is that disproportionality, etc., and you unravel something like black on black crime and, you know, why people do those things, like he said, it's usually, you know, they want to make money in a way that's quicker. And usually that's only because they see that um, as a faster investment than maybe going through the system and then that is also an accumulation of the fact that they might be living in a society where they don't have a lot of um, kind of opportunities in their vicinity that would allow them to be able to legitimately do something so like something someone like me um, north, from North London Edmonton right a lot like I know a lot of people that are my age and they took the route of um, a illegitimate route, if I could say, and say, and so I know there are also a lot of other people who went to university like me and you know sought routes, and a lot of us who did the legitimate route had to go outside of the community to get those opportunities. Like there weren't you know law firms coming to my area and my school, but when I went to law firm, the actual law firms, and 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 um, met people from different areas, they've gone to schools you know where law firms go to them and they try to get pupils to go to them to their firms and stuff like that and that's happened now in a way that is systematic because for example if you look at postcodes postcodes come with a, a currency right you know you a house is going to cost more depending on where it is and so in itself that creates a system whereby because of capitalism capitalism everyone wants the best quality of everything so they the, the best students are going to be in the best schools 
and the best schools aren't going to be in the poorest areas. Do you see what I'm saying and on how that becomes systematic? Yeah, I see what you're saying, and I would say that that's more about class than, than race. Yeah, no, you're right. You're like, it is like, when I speak about all of these things, I'm, like, my, my goal is like to make all of our lives better. It's like not like a really a black and white issue. I really don't even really care about like individual prejudices. Like, it's, it is like getting rid of like a whole, when I say the capitalist power structure, I'm also talking about classism because like, that is just how it's stratified like all of like the, the things i'm saying is like to make everybody's lives better not just like to make racism better you know yeah. and that could you add one more thing like just to kind of as context i think i i don't like how um we forget about intersectionality like all these things it's like yeah like you're saying lucas they are kind of propagated by other things but that's because in society things are layered nothing is individual we it only seems individual because we need to contextualize things so that we can talk we can have talking points but when you look at everything everything is intersectional um you know like when racism was implemented it wasn't just in schools and they you know they separated schools and segregated schools but it was churches it was restaurants it was everything about society and so i think yeah that's what i wanted to um thank you guys um i just want to touch on like obviously since like here in the uk you know how we've had like many demonstrations um across the uk what's your thoughts towards like when you hear this kind of phrase the uk is not a racist country um because to me i i'm just like when i hear that i'm just like i'm, I'm sorry what you know like there's loads of examples police brutality here you know, black people being killed, like, I don't understand how someone can have that saying of the UK is not racist. Um, I don't know if you feel that type of way. I just, I feel like that that's largely a kind of a linguistic kind of distinction and that it's almost like, to take the example of kind of lying, but there's a difference between saying you lie quite a bit and saying you are a liar. And, and similarly, there's a difference between saying, I would agree that there is still a lot of racism in the UK but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the UK is racist in the sense that there's so much of it that it can be seen to completely characterise it, basically. So I agree there is racism in the UK, but I wouldn't go as far as defining the UK by its racism. But that's just the way I look at it. Yeah, Lucas is right. There is definitely a linguistic thing also, but the UK is like, is 100% racist. Like Stormzy was misquoted, but in fact, it was actually correct. Like, the, like Diana, Diana Abbott said one time that like, the UK created racism, which they did. Like it, it's, like the UK is... Would you, sorry, sorry, I, sorry, finish your point, but I want to come back to no, that. No, no, go on, go on, go on. What, what do, you, do you think the UK created racism? Yeah. The British Empire. Not even the British Empire. Like if we think about the, um, the like, we have to always go back to slavery because like that is how the, that's yeah. how like modernity was like shaped. And the UK, the, 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 the UK basically invented race-based slavery. <laughs> like it, like it, the Home Office tweeted in like 2015, like, we just finished paying off <laughs> the slave debt. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the UK has like invented slavery, um, base, uh, racism, basically. But um, so the UK is like super racist. Like the UK is insidiously racist. I'd, I'd even say the UK is even more racist than America. <laughs> like, but I, feel like, like, I feel like don't get mixed up, but like, we're not saying like individuals within. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, no. That's, yeah. that's what we need to distinguish because I feel like people might get a bit. Yeah, yeah. I just quickly want to touch on, on, on that UK created racism thing because I see what you're saying and obviously 
it did in the sense that the first kind of almost like mass embodiment of racism was sure done by the UK and the empire. But, and this is where I feel like actually is almost like the crux of where our, our worldviews kind of deviate is that I think that that isn't the beginning of, of it. I think that racism is actually a behavior that has very deep biological roots even, and not necessarily, <laughs> tell me out, hear me out, hear me out, not necessarily race, but race is, racial difference is, um, it's almost like an expression of, of difference in in-group and out-group. And in-group versus out-group hostility is something that is absolutely central to all of nature. And it's something that exists in nature. You look, turn on the nature program for a second, you'll see that things are biologically programmed to favor things that look like themselves and be fearful or even hostile towards things that look differently. So what I'm saying is that is, that is part of nature, that kind of way of looking at things. And that has then developed to be expressed as racism, sure. Which, so I'm not saying racism is, is innate, but it has biological factors behind it. That really, really scares me. Like, and it, it kind of scares me a bit that you keep on talking about biology <laughs> because it's I'm very. I'm not advocating. Obviously, it's completely. It's just because I'm saying it's it's comes from biology. I'm not saying that's not me condoning it. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah, I mean, no. Of course not. Like, I'm a huge fan of of um, what's the word? Um, transcending one's biology. I'm a huge fan of taking the things that are biologically in us, such as even like aggression, even like violence and aggression. If I want. If I want um, someone's things, it's kind of a biological impulse to be like, all right, I'm going to steal it. And I'm saying we should rise above that. So biology isn't something, I'm not, I'm not explaining, I'm just not saying it's biological, therefore it just has to be that way. Absolutely not. I'm saying it needs to be recognized as something that has biological elements in order to be able to transcend it, mm. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm like really scared about that because that's like basically how Hitler sort of like um, rationalized killing millions and millions of Jews. Like, it's like, nothing is biological, like, race isn't like an actual thing. And like, if we had the biological fit, like the biological, yeah, there's like a biological thing, like animals, so like tigers would like hate lions, let's say. The, 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 the idea of like, race is tied to other things, which mean that it's like, not just biological, it's like, hate in like the, yeah. the simplest terms. I, I agree it's not just biological I agree but I think there's a biological component under it and I agree when you say that race isn't biological I, I agree what I'm saying is biological is in group and out group psychology and race is one way in which one could yeah. interpret in group versus out group but, but what I'm saying. It, it, it's not just like in group out group it's like subjugation like it's not yeah it's not just like finding something not to your taste um I yeah I I I don't I don't really know about about that. Yeah no I'm, and again I'm not saying it's all biology I'm just saying that that I think that that's one component mm. worth exploring a little bit. Um, but I wanted to add like um, how you said that it's natural and I think it's kind of it can get detrimental when we confuse natural for like right like the way that people say it's natural for us to eat meat but at the same time we're humans we, we have a larger capacity than animals to know that we can eat other things and still survive in the same way that we know that we can utilize if there is that in-group out-group mentality um in a better way and i think even that in itself it's not it's more of a um an in-group function than an external function because it comes from stuff like the reason 
why humans react to babies the way they do. And it's about keeping each other and ourselves protected. So you would think that someone who looks like you is likelier to sympathize with you because when someone smiles, you smile. When someone's sad, you want to cry. You know what I'm saying? And it's, yeah. I think that's the kind of relationship. It's more for internal preservation than external exertion. And I think that's what racism was. And that's why in the 1600s, they created race. Right, because you can get white people that are dark, you can get black people, like people from all different countries that are really dark or really light. So, like you said, race is a, literally a completely fabricated concept purely based on the notion of um, whether or not you're purely white, which is why it gets confusing when you get out of the category of whiteness and you start looking at Asians, South Asians, and stuff like that. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that makes complete, complete sense. And, and obviously, the first statement. You said about not confusing natural with right. I completely agree with that. It's a very, very dangerous slope when you start saying that just because something might occur naturally in nature, it's mm -hmm. right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you on that. I guess what I would want to discuss is what can we do moving forward? Because I, I guess it's, it's really easy to be like, okay, let's disregard certain conversations and move forward. But I feel like we do need to have these conversations and kind of address certain things before moving forward. Um, but like, when does it start to get detrimental? So, so for example, yeah, I saw a video of a young boy hiding behind a van when he saw a police car go by. And just, my worry is, when does it start to become detrimental and have like a psychological impact on people? So how can we move the conversation forward in a progressive way that's still addressing the things that need to be addressed and also creating um, like a possibility for the future that we want to live into? I would say, because um, you said about the psychological effects, right? Um, I would say that that's already happened. Like there is already um, kind of like PTSD, not only from like race and slavery from back in the day, um, but also like the current climate and how confusing it is for a black like, child to grow up in a Western society. Like, cause it was, uh, I think, if anyone knows Chidi, I think it's Chidi, am I, oh, what's her name? Um, I think it's Chidi and she, basically she's an author and um, she said that it was only when she came to the West that she, she realized that she was black. And that's because when you're in Africa and everyone's black, it's like, I'm just me. But in the West, it's like another part of your identity that you have to like actually carry around with you. So I think the first thing that we, we need to do is literally um, education, but in the most like elevated way. So people need to deeply understand psychology so that we understand why is it that I'm getting triggered when we start talking about racism? Why is it that that little boy hid and stuff like that? And in that way, we can talk to each other in a more um, educated way because if I speak to you about my view with a deeper understanding of your view on my view, we can kind of like go like onion layers and go through to the core of the problem. Um, so I think education and especially psychological education is like the biggest thing so that the dialogue between people, like just between us, is deeper. Um, I, 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 to directly piggyback off what you're saying, I find what that author said really annoying because like she probably didn't know that she was black because she was like part of an elite who were like subjugating a lower class in her own country. So I, d I don't think there's any way out of it. Um, I, I, what do you mean? Because there's no racism, like the yeah, way that no, we she, know she, it she, in Africa, she, like she, black she, 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 
she didn't feel prejudice in her own, she didn't she she didn't feel prejudice in her own country because she had a privilege of being like she was probably um a, a wealthier person in her own country so she didn't feel privileged until she came over here and realized that she she that it works different but she like there there is no africa's not great like the west like when the caribbean the western Indies aren't great like th- that sort of like mindset is really um dangerous also because it's not good over there. Like they, they're suffering from like the same thing that we're suffering from. I, I, I don't think there's any education. Well, it's not though. It's relative. Like is, is it's what not relative because if you're gay in Nigeria, for example, right. you, you could you could be killed. Like there is no like. But no if you're not, the world that but that's that's different. Well, okay, it's so not, you just gave different. no 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 wait wait. So you just gave uh, an example based on like say LGBT, right? So can you give me something else that would be, for example? Does you being black make it hard for you to get a job in Africa the same way that it would here? See, because the, 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 that, that, that's that's the the thing that I think we need to get away from. It's not like about it's not just about race. It's li- it's literally about like so the, the the same reason why race hurts us here is the same re- reason why being poor in Africa hurts you. Like it, it's the same struggle. So right. regardless of being um, like a straight um black man like i am going to work in like i don't know trinidad or whatever or like ghana for example i would have a privilege which is equal to amount to like having the privilege of being a straight white man here like it, it's it's the same sort of um stru- capitalist structure which allows me to profit in in an african country but uh, is, it doesn't allow a gay person in africa to profit so like um yeah that, that that's what i'm saying i i, I don't think there's any, I don't think it's just, just like a thing of like, we can all go back home and it will be okay. But isn't that more to do with the culture that like in black culture, it's way more of a stigma than in white culture to be gay? Because I mean, you can even look back even in Greek history, right? There's more of a history of it being accepted than there is in black history. And I mean, there's such little that we know about black history at all, but I think that's more of a cultural difference that's the culture distance we have to change them. That's still like a, that's still a prejudice that, uh, um, that, that needs to be addressed. What I'm saying is like, it, it, it's never like bad over here in Europe and just good back home. Like that is a, a thing that we have to stop like spouting. Cause, cause even like we'll, we'll see like people like the diaspora has like this such like wild view of back home, but like you'll hear, hear a lot of people who are actually living back home saying, it's not great over here. I don't know why we have these, like, you guys think, it, and it's because we, we still have that sort of... We're, great we're, in what sense, though? I don't... We, we, like, for example, you see a lot of people saying on... We're, we're going off the topic now, but I'm sorry. We'll, we'll you'll hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm going to, like, work here forever, for, like, 40 years or whatever, amass a wealth, and then go back home, and, like, it will be all good. It will be all good for you, but, like, <laughs> the person living... 20 miles outside of the capital or whatever is like struggling and you've literally just plonked that same sort of classist capitalist um, mind frame and taken it back home and you're profiting profiting it from it the same way that um, Boris Johnson or whatever whoever has here I I, 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 it's it's never just like it's really not even just a the the West created it but it's not just a Western issue now like the whole world has to like reckon with with um the the society that 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 we live in it's still like it's not a a western african or caribbean issue it's like a whole spectrum we're all like 
have to change. It's, it's really not just the white, white people who have to change. It's like everybody. We all have to reckon with like our own privileges and our own, I don't know, biases or the way that we live. I, I, and so you, do you, see, you see all of that as being uh, attributable to capitalism and just the spread of capitalism? Yeah, in, 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 a, in the broader sense, but like it, that's not going to change now. So if I was to go back to um, uh, Kimmel's question, but I think now what we all have to do together is like facilitate the next stage. And to facilitate the next stage is to like, just edu- like you were saying, educate ourselves, but also not to go back to the same way that we were living. So like, for example, the, 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 the sort of thing that I talk about a lot is, I think about generations. And I've been thinking about a lot about the, um, so if we talk about black British generations, so the Windrush generation, for example, who has been in the news for a long time, was there was a huge community like thing. It was like community was everything. Everybody helped each other out. There were like things like the Mangrove restaurant where people set it up like, um, and people went there and everybody was helping each other. And like, even when my grandmother came here like in the 50s or whatever, like I remember when other people used to come here from like um, Jamaica or whatever, um, they would like stay in her house for like a year or so. And, and when they got on their feet, they'd like find somewhere to live. I think that is the type of way that we need to, but, but then when I look at my parents' generation who grew up under Thatcher, which was the sort of like individualist, I need to like get on myself. That's how it's like become so strained that like it's, it's very individual, and, like no one's helping each other or whatever. It's like, I think we need to like go back to skip back to that generation and like change the way, way we're living now to like make it more of a community effort, which facilitates like in the future for our kids or whatever to like, or grandkids to, 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 to completely change the world, you know? I, if I just make quickly, I, I think that, that description of like a really, really vibrant, really loving, compassionate community, I, I think that's absolutely, that's absolutely something to aspire to. The, the only issue I have is enforcing that through a government. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's a, that's a good if, if we can get to that, fantastic. But I feel like it has to be something that people voluntarily shift yeah, agree, towards as opposed agree. to kind of enforcing that kind of thing. But anyway, yeah. I agree, yeah, yeah. There is a, a level of community that has kind of disintegrated for a while now. Um, and we are very quite individualistic. And I would say it's a very basic human thing um, to think very individualistically and even to like the furthest we'll go is maybe like our immediate family or the nucleus that we come from and maybe like some friends but you know friends can be disregarded right like that's kind of the mentality that people grow up with um so my question would be should this be something that's like integrated into school curriculums like for example personal development within school curric- curriculum so that individuals are really working on themselves from I don't know what age would be appropriate maybe like secondary school or a little bit earlier so that this isn't such a problem um, to have these conversations in a way that's not so like you're right you're wrong this is morally correct or morally incorrect because um, I, te- I feel like what we tend to do is we like to plant like this is wrong and right this is like ethical and not ethical like morally i feel like we do that and not just have open conversation because not everyone's going to have these conversations at home right not everyone's going to want to educate themselves 
So would it be like the middle person of school, the school system, education, at least here in the UK? Because not everyone's going to get that all around the world. Yeah, I think they should. I think the schools have a real responsibility to 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 help children develop in a way that where they can that they can exercise good uh, kind of skills of discussion and, and and everything. And even like this this whole conversation, I, I feel like has been refreshingly um, atypical. So the fact that I've been able to say things that many people would find outrageous, and instead of kind of taking it kind of with without origin and insulting, you, you you've responded to it with your own kind of reasoning and stuff. And I think that's really healthy so it's very refreshing to have this kind of conversation but I feel like that's that's not that common at least on social media because social media is just such a polarizing kind of intensifying platform that I, I worry that the kind of skills uh, Camilla that you say need to be being taught I, I fear that the reverse of them being taught is, is is on social media and stuff so I think yeah schools really need to focus on on that I think that schools definitely um Need to focus on having these kind of conversations. I think that um, not that they were ever aiming or trying, but I think stuff like these kind of things can be implemented definitely, like you were saying, from like secondary school. That's when we need to bring these conversations in. But um, I think that I, I just don't see how they can ever do it in the way that you've just kind of described as like where everyone can bring their viewpoints and it's no right and wrong and there's no political kind of correctness. It won't. I just don't see that being something that is achievable in schools, mainly because um, that's just how they work. Like the whole political correctness thing is how how the whole framework works. I think if a teacher went about and kind of had those open conversations, um, a kid will probably, like you said, people don't want to have these kind of conversations at home. A kid might go home and then have that, um, kid might go home and tell their like, parents etc guardians like this is the kind of thing we learn in school today a parent gets mad goes back and then it all gets shut down it's the kind of thing where um because people don't want to have it at home they don't want to have it in schools too it's even like with um completely different but like with sex education parents have the right to um kind of like take their child out of that thing which i think is just wrong like um there can't be certain things that you exclude your child from because we're all in the same community like some um, some parents decide that they don't want to teach their children about um, the LGBT community. Like you can't you can't like seclude certain things. You can't just like if you do that, then we're not all going to be able to be on the same page or like even understand each other because um, people aren't learning. So I just feel like it's it it won't be achievable until everybody is willing to. So although the school is the middle ground, um, if people don't want to learn about those things at home, then I don't think that they will even allow their children to be part of that kind of topic at school. It won't work. So would it be, so then what, so, so what, like, this is, this is where I'm always left with it. So what the hell are we actually meant to do to drive this forward and actually get some, somewhere? Because, okay, I think about it as some people have argued that, you know, racism is something that was from a long time ago. Um, and I've, I've just taken it upon myself to to research. And I think what we, what a lot of people don't deep is that it really wasn't that long ago. Like apartheid in South Africa only ended in the early 90s, which is not even 30 years ago. You know, like, what do we do? Like, what can we do as a community? Uh, yeah, you make a good point. And then I, I, I'd probably just say, like, 
if like we should stop trying to like fix <laughs> keep on going back to this we should stop trying to like fix whatever um system that we live in and just like get rid of it like get rid of it <laughs> well, on that note guys um i want to wrap it up um i want to give you guys a floor if anyone wants to say any last things yeah i, I just simply reiterate what i said um some minutes ago that it's, it's it's very refreshing to be able to have, have an open conversation about these kind of things because a lot of them are very controversial topics and yeah a lot of stuff that usually on social media wherever like you can't really express the same kind of views without um kind of hostility then arising so it's i, I thank you for being kind of welcoming and, and understanding of, of what different viewpoints and stuff and and yeah yeah, I, I think you bag off that also because, like, I, I think that um, just like the the willingness of everybody to like have a discussion um, says that like a lot has changed. Anyways, you know, like it's like I think, for example, like when those guys, the the like far right guys, were in um, Westminster like last, or well, no, not last weekend, but like a few weekends ago, like it's very clear that that sort of like behavior has like left the mainstream everybody's like open to like having discussions like this so i think there's like it's like it's like that we should like feel positive for the future so i guess what i'm saying uh, i wanted to say quickly that um this is actually really progressive in itself because it's dialogue and it's dialogue that's that can be controlled by the people i.e us um and uh, yeah, so thanks for having me on. And if I can like leave everyone with anything, it's, it's that I recommend you read a book by someone named Franz Fanon. Um, and he is someone who lived closer to the history of all these things that we're talking about. And he talks about it from a psychological and psychiatric um, understanding. Um, and then, yes, yeah, it's good for debates. I just want to say thanks for the opportunity to come on. It's been really interesting hearing everyone's kind of opinions. And again, without any judgment, just being able to sit here and discuss obviously matters that are extremely important to all of us. So, um, yeah, it's been progressive conversation. Amazing. And thank you, guys. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared today. It's, it's so, so, so important to be able to not only just have this conversation here, but to, to like give this out to people and for those who want to listen it's amazing so i feel really really blessed that we've been able to create this space with one another so thank you zach lucas nat and yeah alfran so <laughs> thank you guys so much for being on here and i think that's that's pretty much a wrap lovely so guys right. take care yeah. bye bye, bye.